All right, there we go. All right, we're recording. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to T3G. This is the Tangents Podcast. I am here today with a very special guest, uh, TJ Sterling of Ray Comics. How are you doing today, sir? Man, I am doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, tired, overworked, but um, blessed and highly favored, as they would say. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I, I know we were going to do this before the uh, the Kickstarter was done to try to boost the last uh, last week of the Kickstarter. But you know what? I'm super psyched to, to have seen that it actually did hit that last stretch goal. I'm so excited for that 8-bit game. Like, dude, I, I cannot explain to you how excited I am about this property. I actually just read Issue 0. I bought Issue 0 from your site uh, just so I could, like, have some knowledge about the, the property and be able to talk about it with you. Um, so, like, I was talking about this on, on a podcast the other day. I'm like, I'm I'm like I'm so into this property. Like I begged you to let me pre-buy the last couple issues because they weren't part of the Kickstarter. Yet. <laughs> I was like, dude, I gotta have this. I I gotta know that I'm gonna have it because that's just like I, this is the kind of property that is exciting. I mean, obviously you crack 20k uh, on the Kickstarter and and it's well deserved, man. Like the property, like the artwork is fantastic. The story is dope. I'm super excited. It, you're starting at you start issue zero takes place in the far flung future. And then issue one takes a step back. That's correct. What made you, Absolutely. What made you go down that route? Oh, uh, yeah, man. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for just supporting Ray Comics and believing in it and just, you know, taking a shot on us, man. Because like I said, there's a million other independent comic book companies out there and uh, there's so much great, cool content. And, um, you know, there's so much to choose from. So the fact that you were able to really get into our stuff really means a lot to me as, as the creator, as the owner, the writer, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, it was a very interesting experience. The Kickstarter itself, which I'm sure we'll get into more later in our conversation, but uh, it's our very first Kickstarter. And I think, you know, it's a testament to not only our diehard fans that we've had over the last five years from going to cons and doing shows and free comic book day events and stuff like that they really showed up for us but then a ton of people showed up new people showed up on the kickstarter platform and uh really believed in what we we're doing just like you did and helped us you know break over 21k and uh so many other cool things are on the way but um to answer your question about issue zero and then number one i'm a huge fan of non-linear storytelling i think for me because i was like this huge like i love tarantino movies growing up like to me, the way he told stories was just so unexpected and it kept you guessing and kept you thinking. I mean, you can still think about a Tarantino movie, especially his earlier one. Oh, yeah. You know, 20, 20 years later, there's still something about them that like a mystery, uh, kind of like a um, again, this it just keeps the brain guessing. And I wanted to do something similar with my books. Um so issue zero, you see the main character, Kale, as an old man. Like, Well, he's not an old, old man, but he's like in his late 40s. Right. He's a fully fledged hero who's been through a hell of a lot of stuff. And he's basically at the end of his journey. And uh, we kind of, you know, give people an idea of what that the end might look like. You know, we haven't exactly seen the end, but we give an idea of what could actually happen in the end. And then with issue one, we rewind, rewind excuse me, all the way back to when he's a kid. In present time, before he's got any of his powers at all. See, that's that's super cool. I, um, I I'm a big fan of that process. Like, those are the kind of stories that I love because it getting jumping into the action of it, right? You're like jumping in to like this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and then it's like five days ago, this is what's going on, right? That's that's my favorite because then it's like, whoa, how did 
like why is this dude fighting this dude like how did we get here what is the what is the setup because then it, it, it gives you this opportunity to like explore this universe and explore the characters and i'm just so excited about it this is actually it's funny i, I not it was, wasn't even my idea this was my cousin's idea back in the day when i was like hey like we're gonna be creating stuff like pitch me something like what do you want to make and he came to me with this really really cool idea and through like building it out i was like you know what would be dope is if we start it with like the final fight and then we just we just peel back all the layers and then like you know where it's going you know like the potential of this character and that's why i like like reading this future story which and I'll, I'll get to the the name in, in a moment because I think that's a really really interesting take as well. Um, but uh, it's it, it's this like post-apocalyptic world. I'm, I'm gonna pull it up here. I, I got a few a few pieces here just pulled from the first issue just to kind of show off. Um, you know this cover dope. Like uh, you said, it's very much uh, like Sentai inspired, and I'm a Power Rangers nut. Like I, I shotgun 16 <laughs> seasons once. <laughs> like, so like that that when i started i heard that i was like yeah 100 percent. i'm bought in let's go i love it <laughs> and uh but this like post-apocalyptic world like him walking through just like ruin and that's the kind of question where you know there's been shows a lot of shows in the last you know 10 years where it's been something post-apocalyptic but that's always the question right like how did we get here what made right. this happen so like when you have that and just kind of right out the gate like first page we are hundreds of years into the future. We are just out of, like, completely out of our element. We don't know what's going on. And it's this one guy standing up for what's right and defending people. And, and I, I just dig the hell out of that. Now, I want to ask you about the, the name, though. Yes, sir. It's not his, like, the, the name of the book is Okamas? Am I saying that right? Correct. Spot on. And it's not his name that's not his like superhero identity that's not like obviously his name is kale what made you go with that being the name of the series um great question man i mean i, I love speaking about this particular thing and and uh because really and truly the essence of everything that we do at ray comics is just outside the box we try to do something we do everything we do we try to keep it as unique and different and just you know thought-provoking as possible like again i'm like i'm a person that i like to sit down with an anime or a manga or a comic book or graphic novel whatever it is and i want to be intrigued mentally i just don't want to see a whole bunch of you know frivolous conversation i want to see conversation that is again thought-provoking i'm like a less is more type of guy for sure and i think i kind of write that way very um intentionally because like i said i want people to kind of fill in the gaps like i'm painting a picture but i could sit here and paint absolutely everything and let's say in this in, in this universe right let's say you're painting the picture of a restaurant you could paint everything in that down to the, the cracks in the wood on the chairs but ultimately you know pe people can imagine that there's cracks in a wooden chair even if you just allude to it so to me um again keeping the mystery there is definitely something that i've always kind of kept at the forefront and also doing things outside the box. So Okamas is not actually a person. It's a mythical city complex where all the characters are created. Like let's say Mount Olympus or something like, or, or something to the effect where it's this massive 
you know, space, this massive complex where that no one knows where it is. It's shrouded in mystery. It's something that is kind of a seminal point within the story because it's not just about one character. It's about a slew of different types of characters. And the name Okemos itself is uh, really kind of an ode to, you know, being from Michigan. And uh, um, there's a town in Michigan called Okemos with an O instead of a U. And uh, because I'm from Michigan and wanted to kind of play into the fact that I'm from the Midwest, that I love where I'm from. And this was just a way to kind of pay homage to that, but also kind of tweak it just a little bit to make it something completely different and unique. That's dope. See, I, I like I like that little kind of like hometown vibe to it then that that it gives everybody that knows. Right. Everybody that's around there. They're like, oh, wait, wait, I know that. That's like, is that a city? Like, that's that's my city. That's where I'm from. You know, I'm right, right there. So I dig that. I'm a big fan of that. That's why, like, anytime I've I've found just a like a weird obsession with stuff that takes place in Chicago. Uh, I remember when they announced what was that game, Watch Dogs. When they announced Watch Dogs, and you know they showed the original cinematic footage and him walking through the city, and I'm like, dude, I've been in these streets. I know right. this, this is my city. Like, That's I get right. so so hyped about it, and uh, did the same thing when they did. Um, what was it? The need for speed, the run. Uh, there's, I think only one time in the entire game. I actually played the whole thing. It's actually a decent game, but there's one time in the entire game where you get out and you actually get on, go on foot uh, to like run away from the police and stuff. And it happens in Chicago. And it's so like, it's such an incredible, like it, when I saw that when the original trailer, I was like, yo, I'm in, I'm bought. Like, that's it. That's right. <laughs> this is Chicago. This is my hometown. So I get that. That's so dope. I appreciate Thank you. And yeah, I, um, I wanted to, again, because, uh, I mean, anybody who's from Michigan always catches it. They always catch it. And they're just like, wait a minute, are you from that town? Or do you, I mean, because the town itself was also named after a Native American chief. And, you know, in my, um, on my mother's side, there is a Native American Cherokee Indian bloodline, too. So it was also another way to kind of just pay homage to that part of my heritage as well. So, uh, but again, man, like, we try to do everything that's just outside the box and non-stereotypical superhero storytelling format. Because to me, like a, a character that has like a name, a Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, it's cool, but it's been done a billion times right. over. And I, why can't you be a superhero with like your regular identity? Why can't you just be a regular hero? Like, cause I mean, like think about even when you look at like uh, the boys, for example, on, right. on Amazon prime, they have these superhero names, but they're literally walking around with, with no mask on. So it's like, even if you saw them on the street, you'd know who they were. And it's like, eventually, oh, yeah, I worked with Todd back in State <laughs> 1998. <laughs> so it's like, why all the, the, the smoke and mirrors just like rock out with your regular your real name as your hero name? Because you're a hero and your name doesn't define you as being a hero. It's the actions of the character. See, that's a really – I like that. That's a really interesting take because even characters that people know their name and have known their name the whole time, like you look at the Fantastic Four, everybody knows who the Fantastic Four is, but they still have superhero identities, right? Like Johnny Storm becomes the Human Torch, and there, there is a feeling of that dis, like, disconnect. There is a separation. Like Johnny Storm is the like ladies' man, and he's a hothead, but then like – the Human Torch is a superhero. He goes and he saves people's lives. That's right. It's like there's still that kind of disconnect to those characteristics. So having just like his name be his name, he's just Kale. 
that's it, it, it connects all that it makes it all one person and i dig that i mean like it, it'd be weird to watch you know bruce wayne jump out of the shadows and be like commissioner he's like bruce I'm like eh, it's weird <laughs> but that's very true and that's it, it, it has to work situate situationally per the story for sure right right it, it, it's it's very interesting uh, you know i think they use that to kind of humanize characters like that especially like a batman that's like mystery and shadows that kind of stuff i think they use you know his his friends knowing who he is and people who do know his identity those are the moments where like if he's kind of out of it people like lean into him and they're like are you okay bruce like that's right they humanize him that way so having having the you know kale's name just be kale and there's no there's no hiding behind anything there you know all the vulnerability is there just as much as all the power and strength absolutely it's it's very it's intriguing it's intriguing at the at at least you know like at the very least it's intriguing and it's it's an interesting way to approach it not i'm excited man i'm so psyched uh i've come across like i came across you through following a instagram page i think i think this is how it went down i think i I was following an instagram page and uh it's called uh united black heroes that's right I, I saw one of your pieces because they promote other black creators, and I think that's fantastic. Um, the, actually, the reason I followed them is because um, sometime back, I um, through everything that's been happening, I mean, if, if, if you're listening or watching and you are just getting around to understanding what's going on in, the, in this country, in this world, uh, yeah. <laughs> get your head out of your ass. <laughs> uh, but there, there, was some, you know, there were people that were talking about like using your platform to, to promote people and, you know, promote black voices. I mean, there's just something to that. And even, I don't have a huge following. Like I think I have like 320 people on Instagram, but to me is like those 320 people, if I am able to introduce someone to them, all the better. Even if it's somebody that has a ton more followers than me, even somebody that already has like a whole career, like people don't know that artists and, and creators and film, you know, filmmakers and all these people that they don't know that they exist. Everybody falls in their, their own little niches and I was so that's why, like, I was literally kind of kicking myself for not knowing about this series sooner because this is like a hundred percent right up my alley, right? This is, <laughs> I'm like, everything about it is, I'm like, dope, yes, 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 checks every single box for me, you know? So I'm like, Thanks, dude, I could have been part of this, I could have been part of this hype train this whole time, right? I could have been part of this, this experience this whole time, so like not knowing well, uh, for just for lack of for not, lack of information, lack of knowledge, you know, like. Yeah, and I'll take uh, I'll take um, the blame for that, honestly, because I mean we uh, at Ray Comics. I mean, I, again, we're we we approach business a little bit more old school, I would say, because again, like back back in the day, the place that you would meet your favorite artist was a convention mm-hmm. or maybe a book signing or maybe you know they'd be at a store signing of some sort. So. That's kind of always been our business model uh, for the past I mean, almost almost five years now, where we have just done the majority of our promotion in person, one on one. And I think for me, uh, because I got to social media very very late, it was always something that was a little daunting. And it was like, okay, well, I'm trying my best now to push the social media marketing as heavily as I can. Um, the Kickstarter was probably our biggest push to kind of like spread ourselves throughout different markets as much as possible i mean i was again i i mean i I did absolutely everything during this kickstarter i was on four podcasts a week i was on 
um, I was on a whole bunch of different um, news sites like uh, um, Bleeding Cool and The Beat. And I also even jumped on the newscast. Like we did so many different things that were really, really cool and a lot of fun to just spread the, the, the knowledge about who we are. Because again, the people, we've, we have a huge fan base that's, you know, in person, one-on-one. Yeah. Because like I said, you're a pretty cool guy. And, and ultimately, like, if you and I met at a con, we'd be just talking shop, talking comics. We'd 100%. be hanging out like a a genuine connection. And I think for me, genuine connections will always trump online connections because, yeah. you know, you, you, you can have a cool impression online. You can entertain people, but it's like why people will follow you for five years or more, you know, decades and change. And that's why McFarlane or Jim Lee or any of these people, even somebody like Rob Liefeld has a following because there are people who loved their work yeah. from 20, 30 years ago. And they're not really going anywhere because they met them back in like 1992 when everything started. And, and it's a really fun thing for fans to take that journey with you. So I think what's cool about these podcasts though, is that we do get to meet one-on-one in a socially distant space. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, different, it's a different kind of year. It's a different kind That's of year. Right. I was I was worried about it, honestly. I was worried about the convention scene. As soon as it like as soon as they said game over, I was like like I, I know I have a lot of friends, like people I consider to be friends. People I, I mean I've been doing conventions for ten years, fifteen years. Like I don't even remember when right. when the when I started, you know? And it's been you know, I, I've met all these people that, you know, I connect with and we only see each other at cons, but it's like we'll have a 15, 20, 30 minute conversation about comics and the industry and their book and whatever. And it's been like it, it's been super rewarding kind of being part of that scene because I, I had conversations with people for years. You know, they'd be like, yo, let me, you know, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. And I would get the pitch and I'm like, you know what? It sounds dope. Do you have a trade? Because like seven, yeah. seven or ten, seven or eight years ago, I I got rid of all my floppies. I just didn't have the space for them. I needed the closet they were in. I had 30, 30 some odd short boxes. I got a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. And, it's a lot know, of comics. Yeah, and I got so I got rid of them. But I was like, I still this is still my shit. Like this is still my stuff. Like this is I love this. So I I was like, I'm gonna collect trades. Like I have to stick with trades. I even stopped collecting prints because I'm like I'm I'm out of wall space you know my wife gave me this space down here and one room upstairs that's it <laughs> that's all that's i get it. so I, I have a finite amount of wall space and that's right i moved to sketchbooks you know i moved to sketchbooks and art books and that kind of stuff so like when people you know when artists don't have a sketchbook i'm like yo you should make a sketchbook <laughs> like that's i guide them in that direction like i want to give you my money but like yeah. i need it to be in a format that i need that i can consume you know so yeah um we're we're going to be eventually transitioning into building um trades as part of our business model it's one thing because ultimately um trades are easier to carry they're easy to easier to stock i mean obviously people get the complete story there's lots of um upsides to having trades i mean again we're almost at the end of the first arc of okamas and with it well after five and six are done we're going to be collecting those into a trade and then we'll probably be doing um, the next book we'll release, we'll probably do it in like a mini trade form or a, or a full trade form. One of the two. Yeah. And I, I dig that. And that's, that's the kind of thing. Like, e- honestly, even if we had met each other at conventions and I feel like, I feel like we had to have at some point. And maybe I, I, I would have, I, I, I feel like I would have remembered story. you. Though. Like I would have told yeah. you the same story. I've been like, 
I want to, but I, I don't collect floppies. And that's, that's, that's exactly correct. where it would have been. And that's why I appreciate that you have the digital, digital copies available through the site. Like I, that's, that's, there is a, a incredible amount of people that don't. That's um, right. There's a couple local guys that have been doing a book for a long time. It's, you know, they have like a, a, a set, you know, fi finish point, but their artist is, I think, overseas. So, like, it's just like a long process to get a book done. So, that's right. I'm like, when's the trade coming? They're like, well, you know, we're on issue six. You know, it's a 12 issue series. And I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, if you got digital, we're mini trade, like, collect it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, well, if you got digital, and they're like, yeah, we're looking into it. I'm like, it's you know, at that point, I was like, it was 2019, bro. Like, you gotta, you gotta had been looked into it. Like, like yeah. <laughs> years and years. Digital, yeah, digital, I mean, is, digital is is how you're gonna get a ton of new people because that's right. Like two, three bucks online. That's nothing to people. People blow that. People buy that's that on, right. on gems and you know and apps, you know, Candy Crush <laughs> or whatever. Like, no, you're absolutely right. Blow that money all the time. So, like, just to give them something valuable, and that's why I appreciate that you have this. I'm like, and it came with two covers. I'm only showing the one because I like the other one better, and I don't want people to see it unless they buy it. So, y'all should buy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but like, I, I it, it comes with like you know you have more, and you have an opportunity to to, to do more with it, and and just reach a, a wider audience, and that's why. It's 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 a game changer, and you and you didn't wait for uh, what's their face, Comicsology, and I, that, again another thing that I appreciate because I remember having conversations with people that don't show up at conventions no more. They don't have no like it, it they, you know their their book fell off. They don't have the following anymore because they were like, oh, I'm waiting on because oh, I don't have a trade, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I can't, I'm just I can't bring in stuff that I'm I'm gonna give away or, or sell. Like I that's just kind of a, a lose lose situation for everybody. Like I'm not collecting anything of yours, sure. and I'm, I'm just throwing away money at that point. And but I was like, is it digital? Because I'll, I'll read it digital, and they're like, oh, you know, I submitted to Comicsology. It's this whole process. They gotta format it. It's been four months, and I'm like, yeah, four months. Like that's PDFs go a long way, man. I mean, like if you've got you know any type of you know e-reader. Kindle, uh, Apple, or any of those, the janky ones that they sell for $20. Yeah, and you can yeah. PDF, so you got to have PDFs. And I think, um, I mean, I had a conversation with a, a newer creator about this too, because it, what I find though, it's kind of a production thing because, you know, I have experience working in, you know, print production and art production mm -hmm. through, you know, my internship at Marvel. I was a, you know, a college student oh, wow. back in like the late 2000s. And I interned for Marvel a year for a year from 2009 to 2010. Oh, awesome. And I was, you know, trained in print production. So I understood the mechanics of how to put a comic book together on my own, how to, um, you know, generate interactive links to it, you know, how to create PDFs. Like there's all these things that I learned when you know being a part of marvel so i translated that experience directly into ray comics and um like i said pdfs are uh, such uh an incredible thing man and, and you know just to kind of give you an idea of what was going on in 2009 at the marvel headquarters that they were basically having interns scan old books like old marvel masterworks old books from like 40 or 50 years ago they were yeah. scanning these books and having the interns you know, transpose them into PDFs so people could jump on the Marvel site and download digital PDFs to read. Like, that's how 
important it was at that time that they were stressing that component. So again, like if you are a comic creator and you have a, you know, a, your printer doing everything for you, because sometimes the printer will, you know, have in their batch of services, not only the printing part, but you're sending them the JPEGs or the TIFF files or whatever you have your for your pages formatted in, and then they will assemble everything on their own. But basically for me on my end, I do all that for them. So right. all I send them is a completed, you know, PDF file with, you know, crop marks and print marks and, and, you know, bleeds and gutters and, and also coloring. So, cause I understand that process here. So yeah. essentially I'm giving them an, uh, uh, an end, like, a um, you know, a, an end file that they can do what they, you know, they can print from all they have to do is press print and then chop it up and then, you know, do yeah. whatever else they need to do from there. See, that's what's up. Like having that kind of information and, and being able to, to just go straight to the end. Like that's, that's right. That it's, it's, it's very important because you can, you can strike out on your own. You can do your own thing. I think that's, that's where a lot of people are getting caught up in the indie space is, Oh, well, you know, uh, I remember when I, I, I always like to tell the story cause it's ridiculous. My like magnum opus comic that I've written. Well, let me rephrase that. I have plotted, not written the whole thing, but I, it, it, it is, it is, I think 107 or 110 issues. It's a lot of story. That's right. My original plan, and this is going back to like 2006. My original plan was I'm going to go to Marvel. I'm going to get a meeting. I'm going to be like, all right, all or nothing. 10-year commitment, you know? And the girl I was with at the time was like, they're going to throw you out of the building. What are you talking about? You can't ask someone for a 10-year commitment coming off the street. Like, you can't ask a person for a 10-day commitment coming off the street. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I hear that. But at the same time, like, I think, you know, because we're in an industry that's relatively male-dominated, I mean, you just got to have balls. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term, because if you – and it's interesting because there, you know, have been comic book artists that aggressively get in the room with, you know, comic book executives – just their artists, their writers, whatever they are, they aggressively get into rooms with these artists and, um, you know, the execs and stuff. And they're just like, well, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I'm ready to work. And I think, I think Amanda Connor was one of those people who, if I'm, if I'm, my story's correct, it was her or Gail Simone, one of the two, but I feel like it was Amanda Connor who literally cornered, um, one of the VPs at DC in a hotel room. Like huh. there was a party or something at a, after a con and they literally just cornered him and said, you know, I, I, you know, I'm ready to work. This is what I want to do. And I'm and I'm ready to do it now. And they were so kind of blown back by her, you know, her tenacity that they just gave her, gave her some, her job. Plus she, her work was cool. So it's like right, a right. combination of the two. See, that's, that's a really cool story. That's the kind of, I actually literally just finished filming a video about loving the process. And I, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a process junkie. Like that's why I collect sketchbooks. That's why I love like art books and, you know, like behind the scenes books for movies and stuff like that. So like that story that's fantastic to me. I actually, what's funny, if it is Amanda Connor, what's ironic is I am not a big fan of her art, but that story makes me want to look at her stuff again. Like, makes that's me want to, because that's like, it, it like gives more value to it. Because now it's like, all right, well, you got here, you got here through just like force. Like, you just made it happen. Kicking in the door, man. Kicking in the door. Because again, like, you know, if you're in a male dominated industry, I mean, like that again has historically not been so nice to females, not nice, sure. so not so nice to women. 
right. you know, whether young or old or whatever, it's like, you know, sometimes you have to um, really, again, just think outside the box. And that's exactly what I believe she did. So it's a cool story, man. Like I said, I heard about that when I was an intern, because again, it was just comic book shop stuff. And, and the cool thing too, for, you know, all the people who are watching now, um, anybody who donated to my Kickstarter at $35 and up basically gets um, an intro, basically gets an entrance into my uh, comic book masterclass. I'm doing a, you know, Zoom call similar to this where it's like I'm going to have as many people on as possible and it's literally going to be me teaching everybody and telling everybody about my story and, you know, certain things like comic production, uh, print production, you know, working with artists, you know, page rates, all the stuff. So I'm going to cover everything I know within this masterclass. And again, because a lot of folks missed the, the last part of the Kickstarter, I had, you know, a, another two or three hundred dollars worth of backers come in post the Kickstarter being done because they're like, oh man, I missed it. Or, oh man, like my, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, my check didn't come through on that day because right, right. these, these things happen and that's how it works. So I'm honoring anybody who wants to still get in on the Kickstarter, who still wants to get in on the masterclass, even though all this stuff is closed, you can, you know, message me directly through the social media channels that Dolly Boar has set up. Um, and you can, you know, ask me and I can basically send you an invoice for what those services are, what, what those rewards are. And you can get access to a the masterclass and all of the cool stuff that we still have on the campaign now. See, that's dope. That's awesome. I always appreciate that kind of extra period because obviously you got a lot of work to do with with creating these books. Uh, you're finishing issue four, or is issue four already done? Issue four is already done, man. Okay, like so. it, it's it's the only thing that we're waiting on currently is just basically everybody to put in their surveys and then also because there's a couple of like you know people who's like maybe put their address wrong or their billing address or their zip code wrong so like credit cards that like there's only a few small number that are like balanced so we're kind of waiting on everybody's information to go through and be processed perfectly because then that point i add everybody to thank you page and then that's when you know we send out all the files to the printer so that's going to happen within a week or two and then, you know, after, shortly after that, the fulfillment begins. That's dope. See, like, and, and you're, you're on top of it. You're, you're, you're putting the stuff out in a timely manner. And I think this is the kind of thing that, especially this being your first Kickstarter, I think next time around when it's, you know, whether it's print costs for five and six, whether it's the trade, whatever the next Kickstarter is, you're coming in with an enormous amount of goodwill. And it's, it's the yeah, kind man. of thing where... I've seen, I'm actually right now in a, a, a year holding pattern, a full year at this point for not receiving a book. So it's a comic book. Um, because they just I'm sure I am too. I donate to so many Kickstarters. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. And I, I have been kind of a little more selective in some cases. Um, I, I had one that kind of, it, I've been, I'm literally pending at this point eight years. It's still not done. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of an interesting – at this point, it's just like an interesting case study for me. <laughs> uh, I've had ones yeah. where, you know, um, I went through and, and, and they just – they bailed on it. Or if it was, tech products are very weird in that space. Uh, but oh, like, yeah. This book is a year out, and it's literally because they haven't finished the work. It's just the company – it's they're doing it through Devil's Due, and Devil's Due is like, yo, we, we can't print something we don't have. Sorry. Um and literally it's the artist you know we're waiting on 
whoever, the artist, or the, or the author, whoever's not done, you know, something's not done on their end. Devil's Due's like, yo, we got the pens ready. We got all the rewards ready. We just need the book and then we'll get everything to you. Devil's Due <laughs> is a big publisher too, man. Yeah, so that's a shame yeah. to hear. And it's funny because but, like, I mean, they, they were like, oh, you know what? Like we've made sure this doesn't happen again. So I'm thinking it's going to be a, you know, a situation where they're probably going to require stuff to be done before they go to Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, I you know, before I launched my Kickstarter campaign, I've been researching and, and um, doing a Kickstarter campaign like for a year prior, you know, just doing tons of homework and watching every video I could and talking to people who were incredibly successful at their campaign and just, you know, picking their brain, like, what do you do to continue to, um, you know, have these lucrative campaigns? Because what you want to do is you want to have one amazing campaign, but, but then you want to build on top of that with yeah. the current audience. You want people to come back to you every single year, every single time you do a kick campaign, you yeah. want them to donate again. And I think the strongest way to do that is to build a solid rapport by delivering. And, you know, my whole thing was, is that I'm not even going to even remotely think about doing a Kickstarter campaign until the book is 95 to 98% done. So by the time I actually spoke, you know, when I filmed that video that you see on the Kickstarter, um, the, 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 the book had been completely drawn. It was literally like, you know, I think one or two pages away from final color and then lettering was halfway done. So like you're like it was literally like we're looking at the finish line while I'm talking about it because I can confidently speak like, hey, you guys donate to this campaign. You're going to get it within 30 to 60 days. Absolutely. Without a doubt, you're going to get the book. And I think that in itself helps people really invest in you because like, wait a minute, I don't got to wait. This is great because every single person person who donates to a kickstarter campaign especially for comics you know knows this struggle you know it you just described you described it extremely uh you know detailed and and you know i i can guarantee you there's definitely campaigns that i've backed that i have not received rewards on i mean there's quite a few um mini comic book publishers that are um have been in hot water with fans for years because they have taken their money and they've never actually printed the books and it's kind of a weird thing for me because i'm like you know okay well i'm never gonna you know buy any of your stuff again and i and that's how so how you lose an entire legion of fans just like that i mean i know there was one company that had this whole humongous you know universe plan all these books all these creators and they made a whole bunch of money in kickstarter and they literally ran away with it Oh man! There was this like I know there was lawsuits and all kinds of weird stuff. So Jeez. it's just like there's no faster way to completely destroy your reputation. And as a person working within the comic book business, but you literally are are boxing yourself in, into one space. And to this day, like I I know who all those guys are because again I remember seeing their stuff online and right and I, and 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 they still are getting work to this day, kind of like behind the shadows for through newer through newer imprints like oh yeah i do logos i do this i do that but a lot of the newer people don't understand the history that right. the shady practices that some of these individuals have had in the past so but the people who have been around like myself it's like okay like we know that we're not working with that gentleman or that person because we know what they're about and like i said it's it's reputation is like one of the biggest things you know it's it takes forever to build up but it's super easy to completely just knock it down and, you know, erase it like forever. 
A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. That that that's very much how how I'm looking at it. Like I had, uh, I've got one that's it, it was delayed, and it was delayed for a good amount of time. But like this was his second. Uh, is a book called uh, Scurry. Uh, it's like a post. Oh, it's like I actually have not read the first volume, but I just like loved the art so much in the presentation. And the first volume was just like kind of like you're doing. Like it was basically done right as soon as the Kickstarter was done, and like we got it within a couple months at most. Uh, like great presentation, com- like fantastic communication. So when he was like, "Yo, I'm I'm jumping on. Like this is a three book series. I'm gonna do books two and three at the same time." And then right after the Kickstarter finished, like he had a death in the family and everything kind of stopped. And everybody, every single comment was, yo, we get it. We get it. Do what you need to do. Get to us when you need to. Like get to, get yeah. to us when you can because you got more important shit to do. But like if you didn't have that, first, like if, you know, if people had to wait a year for the first one, not a second one, you, eh, maybe it's not the same. You know, it's different. I know, yeah. I know there are people who... If they do come back with a third volume, you know, this, 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 the one that I'm waiting on now, the, the big one that I've been waiting for like a full year, um, that through Devil's Due, like I've been waiting on it for a year, but I bought it because I loved the first volume. Love mm-hmm. it. So like I'm bought into the universe. It's like this can- same right. kind of madness that I get when, when they came out with the Justice League movie and then all of a sudden there wasn't going to be a part two and we never got to see Darkseid and I was like, Y'all, I'm giving y'all hours and and you know dollars. Now I don't get to see Dark Side. We're not gonna see. We're not gonna see Just League Part Two. I don't get Ben Affleck Batman as a move. Like guys, like I have investment yeah, in this. I have investment. I have emotional investment. I'm not. This is not. Yeah, cool. I, mean, I, I totally agree with you, man. And that's why I think I've been very hesitant to watch any DC properties because they're just their their film universe is just so up in the air and kind of not very consistent and you know the movies that i liked a lot of people didn't like like i was i, I liked aquaman a lot but a lot of people seem to have not, you know <laughs> it's a weird funny? thing to say it. i still haven't watched it yeah i mean like i said like it, there are some it first of all visually speaking it was actually a very beautiful movie that the special effects are incredible i thought the acting was good i'm not a fan of jason momoa at all really uh, I, i'm not i i do to me, he's again like one of those guys that doesn't really have to act because he's got like because <laughs> he's big, buff, and you know girls like him. So it's like he doesn't necessarily have to be an actor. And even people say that That's him and Vin Diesel are very similar. So, which I I, I understand the point because there's oh, wow. but at the same time it's like you know like when you think of like okay what's a good jason momoa movie and to me aquaman is his best movie like he did really really good in that movie the action was fantastic the special effects were really cool and i think it was always a question to me how would they pull off being underwater because essentially they're behind a blue screen and the studio lot or wherever they're at and i think they did that very very well it's believable it makes sense and uh it's just a cool movie so i personally liked it a lot i thought it was great um, but again, people that I've told, I've talked to people about that, like, oh, I loved Wonder Woman and Aquaman was trash. And I'm like, I, I completely couldn't stand the Wonder Woman. I hated it. So it's like, wow. it's to teach their own, man. I think that's what it is. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I think we can all agree that Suicide Squad was terrible. Terrible. Top to bottom. I think, ev- I think everyone's on the same, except for my wife. My wife is insane. Apparently she watched a different movie. We came out of it. She's like, I liked it. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, that was not a good movie. Yeah. 
I, I think sometimes if you have like a certain level of disconnect from the character and from the source material, then you enjoy it a little bit better because, um, and, and I'm just saying this is not what, you know, I'm not sure what your wife's, um, yeah, yeah. you know, the source material is because maybe she's a huge comic book fan, but um, I just know everybody in my space that doesn't necessarily read comics and sees movies like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, it didn't work because of this and because of that and because of that. And it's like, I don't know. It's weird to step away from a character and what you know about it and just kind of like open your mind to something, a, a new possibility. And I think you can easily get violated that way. <laughs> you know what? That that makes perfect sense. Like you say you that what, and I like, it it like makes, connects all the dots to me. It connects all the dots for me because it's like the reasons that I hate it are probably not that bad if you're an outsider if you don't know the things that i know if you don't know that amanda waller will outright kill any of those people on a stiff breeze like <laughs> like if you don't know that maybe you don't hate her as much and maybe she's not the scariest person in that movie because to me amanda waller, amanda waller is the, is the most dangerous person in the dc universe i don't care about nobody Absolutely. i don't care about that man i don't care about nobody else. amanda waller will kill damian wayne just to prove a fucking point like that, that's how I feel about her. So like I think they did a great job with her, except for they did not. Everybody else was like re, they they try to make them redeemable, and I'm like they're bad guys. It's okay if it's just a gun to their head and do it or I'll kill you. But all of a sudden yeah. everybody's got a sob story, and I'm like eh, I don't care. Like <laughs> yeah, it, it's the whole like you know humanizing the villain thing and i think it only works with certain characters and i yeah. think um, you know uh, harlequin deadshot some of these guys they you know killer croc they're never supposed to be good guys they're never supposed to be humanized you're not supposed to really relate to them it's just kind of like you know and that's why i think the very first couple of you know you know suicide squad comics that i picked up years ago i really like because i'm like okay these guys are bad guys and they feel like bad guys that are kind of in a weird situation that yeah. they don't necessarily want to be in so um i totally get that point man and i think uh i i understand dc's trying but i think they just have to try a little harder and and my thing has always been this stick to what you're good at marvel's good yes. with continuity yeah marvel's great continuity they understand continuity in various forms because even if you pick up a book years and years later there's still a relatively good amount of continuity that you can pick a newer one up later and still kind of know what's going on mm -hmm. um, where DC has so many different types of reboots and revisits and, you know, alternate earths and alternate characters. It's like, why not just focus on doing, you know, side stories Could, like literally one shot movies like this. is, And to me, this is uh, just, it baffles me that DC has never ever thought of this because that's where their strength lies. Think about, you know, Gotham by Gaslight. Think about Batman: oh The Long God. Halloween. Dude, Think about Superman, Superman: Red Sun. They were talk. They there were rumors about there being a Batman: Long Halloween movie, and I was just like, if they do that, it needs to be just translated onto screen because I don't want to see. Because I think they were talking about it being one of the next like animated feature, and I was really like apprehensive because they've really fucked those up they had really good ones for a while and then once they started pulling from the new 52 storylines and they started like mashing storylines together it became messy it became really really yeah. messy and the animated features were just like 
eh, like, all right, it's not bad, but, like, it's not a good story. I actually just, because uh, DC Fandom just happened and they had it for free, it was a free screening, uh, I watched the new Superman, uh, what, what was it, Man of Tomorrow or whatever it's called, uh, the one mm-hmm. that just came out. Uh, it actually felt like a single complete story. Like it wasn't this like disjointed thing. So that that gave me a little more hope for a long Halloween movie because I love that story. I love that story. I was I was gonna say almost, but I definitely love that story more than I love Kingdom Come. And Kingdom Come is has like a unique place in my heart because that that book is how I met my brother. Like. Like obviously not my real brother, like not my blood brother, but like that's my boy, yeah. that's my brother for for that forever. Like that's how I met him. He was like we were at college and he was reading that book, and that's how our conversation started. And that's like right. I love love that book, and Long Halloween trumps it just because it's so good as far as storytelling. Like, that's every right. Storytelling element of that story is fantastic, and and to kind of to to swing back around to your book, uh, which is. The kind of the kind of stuff that I see in this is 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 great storytelling, and I, I, right now on the screen I've got the his transformation sequence when he when he first starts the fight with the with the sentries, uh, and how just how it breaks down, the the kind of ease where where like he's clearly been waiting for a fight like Kale has been walking and he's like I'm looking for a dude you guys are in my way let's just get this done. Exactly, and, and you see it, and you see his power level is there even without seeing, like immediately the display of it. But then again, we talked about earlier; it humanizes him. Like he he is Kale, and he's a human. He's a person, and he has mistakes. So he gets a little cocky. He he gets cut, you know. And I appreciate that because it's like he didn't just come in, you know, first issue and he's just stomping dudes, you know. Like he's not just killing it and you know, just brush the shoulders off let's go i'm good like he's not that guy he he's human and he talks about like he's been doing this for for three years and it kind of when you see that mistake made of like well i've been you know you you see that kind of ego that people have i've been doing this for three years i know what i'm doing and then like his first fight after a while gets hit takes a hit you know it's it's not the same maybe i need to get my shit together hold on (laughs) that's right yeah man i mean my whole thing is making each and every character um, relatable and human. And um, I try to put all the people I know, little bits of myself, you know, little bits of family in these characters, because again, I want them to feel like real people. And I think um, the biggest issue that with a lot of the, these bigger, you know, the big two, some of their characters is that they just don't feel very real. And um, the, one of the reasons why I, I think that um, Okamis you know, sticks with people is that, you know, there's a resonance there that it just, it hits people on specific levels. And, you know, we've all been bullied. We've all gone through hardships. We've all, um, you know, um, you know, felt ourselves a little bit. There's all kinds of like human things that are happening to this character in this book. So I just, you know, I encourage everybody to take a moment to read it. It's super easy. Again, if you don't want to do the trades, you can get the PDFs online. Um, again, if you want to be a part of the Kickstarter, which is, again, we're still, you know, get it, we're getting ready to do fulfillment. So now is still a hot time to get involved with the Kickstarter by messaging me directly. And I'll send you an invoice with that includes shipping and, and your books and whatever else you want. And we can get you taken care of with everything that we have to offer. You could definitely make sure you guys, you could use the links that are right down this way. I can't even point right this way. Uh, and I will also have on the video, if you're watching the video down in the description, that's linked. Uh, so you can directly get to those pages. 
I'm I'm so so stoked for this. I'm like the the like my thing is the way I, I don't want to give it away, but like you have that final fight in the zero issue, and I've got a piece of it here on screen uh, when he gets that sword uh, active, that that big splash page, super dope scene, and it's like where that goes, and I'm like, oh wait. Wait, wait, what's this? And then knowing that we're now going, stepping back, I'm like, all right, let's let's go down this journey because I want to see what that next part is. I want to see what that that next level, you know, when he when he he, he kind of levels up there at the end. I'm like, what's what's this mean? Does he have? That's right. You know, kind of because there's little hints that are dropped throughout the the story, kind of like that. There's a relation to these these creatures that he's fighting, and I'm just it, it, it's it's the kind of storytelling that keeps you guessing and also keeps you interested the the I, I one of my favorite reads of a book and this was just like prose novel uh, it's actually one of now i think i don't even know like 15 or 20 books by uh by what's his face james patterson mm-hmm. he uh he did the alex cross series he he also did a the women's murder club series and that's the first book in that series every single chapter at the end i was like let's go next chapter like it's it's not it's there is no there is no kind of lull you're not like all right whatever it's not you know i'll get to it when i get to it i was like stealing minutes at work you know i was i was on phone support so i'm like having customers talking to me and i'm like yeah yeah uh uh-huh yeah we'll get that out to you and i'm like reading you know reading pages because i'm like i gotta see what's next and that's that's awesome that's the kind of feeling i get out of this is it really like I want to see what's next. I'm interested in what's where where this is going, and just the like the little bits and pieces. I'm like, all right, what what does that mean? Like, why what? How could they be related? What's going on? Like, what does that mean? That's and right. It's the kind of like universe building stuff that I'm really into personally. Like, I love like the bits and pieces. I love knowing, you know, I that's why like everybody hated the first two seasons of Shield, Agents of Shield. I actually yeah. liked them. I felt like they were perfect because I'm like. This is the I kind agree. of boring ass shit Shield will be doing when they're not with the Avengers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like they're just checking out, uh, you know, calls. <laughs> they're, they're yeah, because after the later seasons were a little weird to me, but I totally agree. The first three, two, two or three were pretty decent. I think they did a great job. Yeah, they they. It's funny because they they it became more of a superhero show later on, uh, and honestly, six, possibly the best season of television you'll ever watch. Like as far as superhero TV. I think it trumps it trumps a lot of the CW stuff. Uh, it does not trump uh, Crisis because Crisis, to me, is just like what uh, Inf- Infinity uh, Infinity War and, and Endgame was. It's just like the culmination of so much. So like, That's right. Crisis on Infinite Earth was just like I was just geeking the whole time. Like this is a, I'm just <laughs> like yes, yes, yes. Who who else is showing up? Let's do this. Like absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think probably one of the cool. Uh, continue. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say one of the coolest moments that uh, for me was really cool was uh, really dope was just to see um, Brandon Routh back in the Superman costume, but yeah. in that Kingdom Come like style of uh, you know that 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 Superman to me was just really cool to see him back. And I thought uh, you know he he did well with the character, and I feel like he's kind of underrated too as an actor because he's been in so many different things. But I yeah. just think that he's done a pretty solid interpretation of the character um overall not the best but i mean definitely pretty solid to get excited about and see on that property so um i was with it for sure 
I like I liked his portrayal. What I didn't like about the movie that he did, the the Superman Returns, yeah, uh, it is all it tried really hard to be Superman three. That's right. He did a really when the first time I watched it because I was working at um, Radio Shack at the time, and we were displaying you know like direct TV or something, and it was just on TV on one of the TVs, and I'm like, oh, I think one because I was like around the corner. I was like, oh, I think one of the one of the original Superman movies is playing because it sounded like Christopher Reeves. That's right. It felt like like it around the corner. I was like, oh no, it's it's the new one. Why did I think I was like so weird that I thought it was Christopher Reeves because he was doing his best to be Christopher Reeves. That's right. He, he was doing an impression, and and it, again, like even was Kevin Spacey who was he was doing like a, a combination of Gene Hackman and Michael Rosenbaum, and yeah. and. To me, like it just, you know, I, I had lots of issues with that movie just because, um, you know, there was all this really cool talk at the time. Smallville had been like this amazing series that was incredibly yeah. groundbreaking at the time. And I personally thought, along with lots of other folks, that it makes perfect sense to just transition into a film category with all these same characters. You already have people who have been watching it for a decade. You have a huge fan base that loves this show. So just bring them to the movies. Like, it's really simple because yeah. you're a character that was ideal for it. Um, because I still think that Tom Welling was probably one of the better choices for Superman in terms of, you know, someone who could really humanize that character. I think he did a very, very good job. So, again, it goes back to the topic of listening to your audience, for one, and making stories that are, are, are cool and then also are that makes sense for the universe. And I think that's what we definitely try to do here at Ray Comics is just listen to what people like and what they want and, you know, make books that we know are going to be really dynamic and powerful and that are going to relate to folks. That's always, and that's always the, the best. I, I've always felt the most at home at Marvel because Marvel characters to me are human. They have, they have, you know, Peter Parker's got to deal with bills, you know, saying he's got girl problems. Like, normal shit like shit everyone has to go through so like that's right but like Hal jordan has girl problems but they're like space alien girls you know you know with a third eye or something like it's it's different it's, it's just a different feeling so yeah it's it's never the same but like when peter parker has to like rush downtown and he, he forgot his web shooter so he's got to take a taxi like that's normal shit like you you forgot your, your keys they're upstairs but you can't go back like it's too it's too late you gotta go very like very true on the train or whatever like there's just all there, there's more of a human connection to it and that's why i appreciate that you know you have his name just be his name and just that immediate connection of my name is kale like he's not going around like i'm superman and like i said i was watching the superman uh uh i always forget the name man of tomorrow movie uh yeah and when he comes out he's like i am kal-el of krypton and i was like yeah it's funny because like you're never a kal-el of krypton like the only person I like in that whole situation is Clark because he's the one that cares. Kal-El is just some dude. Like, some, it's like, it's separate. Like, it's hard to relate. Again, he's, he's an alien. Clark humanizes right. Clark humanizes yeah, I, I like think the best. They do a better job of that type of um, 
archetype with Dragon Ball Z, in my opinion, because obviously, you know, Goku, Mm -hmm. you know, his, 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 you know, his saying, his alien name is Kakarot. And, you know, he's never known himself as that. Yeah. But he knows that his name is that. But, you know, it kind of goes with this expectation of something. But he never really embraces that expectation. He embraces the human side. So I think how they handled that, you know, narrative between that character was just, because again, he is a Superman-like character. 100%. Um, but at the same time, they just, they, they do it a little bit better. I think they figured it out in terms of like that, you know, dichotomy between the two. Uh, that's that's a fantastic point. You know, the, the, the internet is always going on about uh, Goku versus uh, Superman. So like, that's a great comparison. I, I you know, I, I never thought about it that way, but that, that's a hundred percent true. Like he, yeah. he very much, then that is the difference. Like you, you, dude, like you make very good points, sir. Like I've got, I've got new <laughs> shit to like talk to other people about now. Like I'm going to go back and be like, this man, is well, this to me. what, what really is going to blow your mind though, is um, once uh, you start looking at invincible, the comic book series invincible and how that's a direct derivative of dragon ball Z and like, just, yeah, I mean, it's a direct derivative in terms of story, in terms of, like, you know, the planet, the warrior race, like, everything about Invincible is, like, Dragon Ball Z for Americans. That's pretty much what that story is. But, again, most times in comics, new ideas aren't really all that new. They're kind of just recycled and tweaked and kind of altered a little bit, okay. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's that there is, you know... Some some wise person somewhere said it. There are no original ideas. Everything is a you know derivative of something else. Everything is is a modification of something else. You know, like I, you you know, the 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 biggest ones are you know you look at people that talk about the the Avatar movie, not the Airbender movie, not that garbage, uh, but the the Avatar movie, James Cameron's, and the joke is always always, oh, you mean Blue Pocahontas? Like so that's all. Much. That's all that movie Same is. Story. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And then, like, you know, what, what are their original contributions to the story? Unobtainium. And the first time I heard it, I, I wanted to like turn the movie off. I was like, no, I, I can't. They're gonna talk some shit like unobtainium. Like that's it's hard for me to like believe this movie because they're talking they, like somebody like an intern came up with that, and, and, and that wasn't the writer. And they were like, no, we can't call it this. This is a real thing. We need it to be something different. They're like, I'm not unobtainium. And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> that's crazy, man. What the hell? <laughs> it's just, but My yeah, no, Lord. that's why the, the, it's very, it's always interesting to me to look at independent properties and kind of see like where the inspiration is and where it takes it, where it goes with it. Cause there are, you know, elements of, like I said, I have the, the scene again where, where he's transforming some of that, looks like uh like a venom you know like with the the way the venom suit comes out and there is that you know understanding of in my head i'm like all right that's kind of how venom does it but like this is clearly different it's a whole different thing and it is power ranger like and he's got the power ranger like the power ranger he's, he's got the suit that gives him the power and the weaponry but at the same time like He's not screaming out his transformation code. He's not, you know, it's, it is a different take on everything. Like all the little kind of bits and pieces that it inspired, that inspired it are visible, but they're not what's, what's owning the property. They're not what's owning the, the, the identity of the character of the story. Like you see a lot of that in different stories. Like when Marvel did the century, the century 
is Marvel's Superman, another of their Superman. But like the Sentry is yeah, he's super strong and he's he's got all the powers, but then his character and his personality and and how he is the Sentry and everything or everything else besides the power set completely different character. Like yes, he is Superman like if you have never read the Sentry. If you've never read the Sentry on any page of a comic book, sure, he's just Superman. He's a blonde Superman. But then, like, if you read a single page of the Sentry, you know this is this dude is messed up, and there are yeah. so many different things about him that you would like. You never, never once have I read the Sentry and been like, "Oh, Superman," like because it's just a different. Yeah, story. the character itself has lots of layers, and um, yeah, man, I'm glad you caught that though, because I mean, ultimately, um, one thing because I don't think I've had a chance to to tell people a little bit about the book, so just quickly just to run through um alchemist it's a sci-fi martial art action story about a young guy that has a latent superhuman ability that could potentially save the human race and he's being pursued by warriors um these mechanized um uh sentai-esque type warriors from the future that actually want to steal that power for themselves tons of action drama suspense again alchemist is a book that's like a love letter to the 90s it's you know the era that i grew up in it's the era that i discovered comics in it's the era that i love um it's my favorite time for comic books to this date and uh there's lots of really cool things in there i mean again i grew up watching you know anime and and reading manga and comics and games all at the same time and you're going to get that 90s nostalgia within alchemist you're going to feel that again you know, the Sentai genre spans more than just, you know, our one favorite property that everybody loves. But you've got Common Rider, you've got Ultraman, you've got um, Beetleborgs, you've got, uh, 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 what is it, um, VR Troopers. There's a million different... <laughs> yes, VR Troopers. Sentai, yes, Sentai-esque, you know, shows that were incredibly popular in the 90s. So the concept of what that those shows were are distilled and kind of changed and altered and, and inspired in terms of what we did with Oakmas. So you're going to get something that's familiar, um, but you're also going to get something that's incredibly unique in its own right. So I definitely, definitely encourage people to just take a chance on it, dive into it, see what's going on. Um, Dolly Boar's got great taste. Um, I can guarantee you that if he likes it, you're going to like it. So please jump on and take a look. Definitely. I, I, I love, like, the fact that like you say that and i'm like yeah that i've i've been pondering making like a whole video essay about why the 90s was the best era of entertainment uh just That's because right. there we had all of the stuff that i feel like in the last 10 15 years we've talked about is like lacking i feel like we had all that in the 90s you know there's a lot of talk we've had uh, quite a bit of talk about like oh there's a lack of asian leading men and women in movies and i was like yeah but like we had Hello? we had Oh, come on. Come on. Discord. What happened? I'm going to have to cut it here. Are you back? I think I lost you, man. You paused for a minute. I see you. I see you moving. You yeah, you, you, you paused on my end. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I was like, no, no D Discord was doing so well. <laughs> Uh, but like you know, there's there's been talk in recent times of like, oh, there's a, a lack of uh, leading Asian men and women. And in the '90s, we had Jackie Chan and we had Lucy Liu, and like, I, like that was just an expectation for me. Like, I loved seeing those people in movies, like seeing brand new movies with Lucy Liu, you know, on the front. Like, that that was an expectation for me. So like, but it's funny because when when people point it out now, and I'm like, you know, that that's true. Like, 
Because we had we had Lucy Liu, we had Jackie Chan, we had uh, 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 um, oh, see he like quit and I forgot his name. <laughs> he stopped doing it. Um, he was a lot, he, he did a lot of martial arts movies, but he did uh, Jet Li. Jet Li was around for a long time. I loved a lot of the, a lot of his movies. Right. And then he oh, yeah. he retired. He retired out of the genre basically, and he he stopped doing American movies. And it's like we had a lot of people, and then progressively we, which is an ironic statement, progressively we had fewer and fewer. And, but in the nineties, we had kind of a, like a golden era of like, we had the best theme songs. Let's just be real honest. Every cartoon had the yeah. best theme song. Like I still, yep. to this day, I'll jam out to the mighty max theme song for the rest of my life. I love that theme song. Oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah. But we had all the cool stuff and like we had pe- people tr- t- took chances. You know, we had common rider didn't work out when they did it in the two thousands, but like, That's right. but uh, when they did mass rider, which was a common rider character, when they did Mass Rider in the '90s, it was—I mean, it wasn't successful. They didn't do more seasons, but like, the people liked it. It was in it tied in, and it, it was growing a universe, which is an unintentional way of me asking the question I was going to ask. Uh, as far as growing a universe, you know, when I look at Ray Comics, that is that is an umbrella, that is a company, that is a publishing brand. You know, uh, Okamas is the beginning, I presume, uh, of, of something bigger. Is 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 there an idea of going into more of a shared universe in future books or is there more of a like you said one shot kind of thing everyone does their own thing separate separate storylines that's a great question man and i love when people ask because honestly we've got so many so many great um comic uh, like uh, stories coming out of ray comics in the next couple of years like and we're building on the universe but again, just like we in our business model is, it's it's not something that people expect. And I think to me, the whole um, building a universe for the sake of building it, where it's like, oh, we've got 10 characters and they have separate books and they team up into a Justice League book. It, it's the the format of that is is completely like it's like plain white bread with, you know, American cheese. on it. It's about as simple as you can get. It's about as expected as you can get. And um, I personally don't like to create in that format. Uh, so um, not there's anything wrong with it. If you like that format, go right ahead. But I think for me and our company, it's like we want to create universes that are separate, but also, you know, just serving the story. Because to me, it's like we're going to have two other books that are in the Okamist universe. We're going to have the Tessina miniseries, which is our first woman-led series. That will be an offshoot of the Okamist title. There's going to be Okamist Dark History, which is going to be debuted specifically in a trade paperback form once it's completed and done, not in single issues. And um, that will be the history of like Okamist before the current title. And then we're going to complete, you know, the uh, second arc of Okamist right after that. So those will be those three books will be within that universe. But then we're also going to have a space book that's completely outside that universe. Um, we're going to have a sex comedy book that's completely outside that universe. Oh, wow. We're going to have a, um, a noir, um, uh, like a steampunk noir type book that's completely outside of that universe. So we're literally just doing stories that are really cool and we're building from an organic place. We're basically not saying, okay, how do we tie this back into the main series? Like it's just, it's, how about we just create a cool story? What is in here that makes you feel like, okay, this is going to be a great story. This is a story that I've always wanted to tell. And then you think about collaboration down the line. So there's lots of great stuff coming, you know, from Ray Comics in the next couple of years. So I definitely encourage everybody to 
get on our mailing list or just follow us and just, you know, keep your eyes peeled because it's all coming out really, really soon. That I, I got to tell you also, there there is something to be said about having a polished Kickstarter. I've got, I'm scrolling through the Kickstarter right now on the screen, and everything, the presentation on this is fantastic top to bottom. You know, I, I did a, a recent podcast, and I talked to my, my buddy Mike Emirates, and uh, we talked about a podcast that was not so polished, and, you know, the, the goal was obscene. You know, it was a $20,000 goal for a single-issue print. Um, wow. I thought that was crazy. Uh, and yeah. you know, no real explanation of rewards. It was just kind of like, get these variant covers. And, that, like, there was not any effort put into it, and it, it failed. You know, it, it did not go through. And it was another thing where I'm like, I'm interested, but, like, the presentation is not there, and, and the effort is not taken initially and, and i think there is definitely something to be said about like present yourself which is ironic because like i have a massive mess behind me so like my presentation here is terrible but, but like uh but like the, when, when i when i'm gonna spend money with somebody when i you know walk into your your virtual space it, it's nice to see that you took time to think like oh you know i'm gonna show off these these figures which those are so interesting to me and i had to stop myself from like getting to that level because i'm like um, i collect so much shit randomly that i'm like sometimes i literally have had days where i'm just like you know it's just collecting dust up there like what are you doing with your life like <laughs> for sure <laughs> so I was, but like they're super cool and i was like oh they're like pop figures i'm like people are gonna jump on this people are gonna love it so like you had all these all these details in it and these 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 elements just displayed for everyone and i think that's uh that's you just did a great job honestly top to bottom and your communication has been above board and honestly i when you mentioned uh the the surveys earlier i was like i totally didn't fill out, fill out my survey yet so like i got to do that <laughs> but it's like it, it you you did you you presented a fantastic product obviously you like you you have uh, Thank you. you've been working on it for a long time this has been a, a series that has been around for a long time. I am, I am the the late person to this party. You know, like I'm, I'm coming in on issue four. People have been been known about this, so like I'm so glad to be part of the journey now. I'm, I'm so excited to like see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to read more. And uh, it's it's I, it's so incredibly important to 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 do the whole process and do the whole process like right you know what i'm saying like it's not it's not just enough to put a kickstarter together like you have all these elements and like you were doing donations and stretch goals like you're gonna donate to women in comics like you're doing all this stuff that you didn't have to do like you could just collect the paycheck hey here's you know we'll do another cover we'll do another cover we'll do a trade boom i'm gonna collect this profit people do that all the time you know people just do a kickstarter to to collect profit you, no, you're absolutely you, right, you were like, hey, if, if you get to this level, we're going to do some more shit. You're going to get some more shit. And like, it's, it's, it's a fantastic, like, you just did everything right, man. I just, I don't know how else to say it. Like you did everything right. <laughs> so like, it's no wonder that you're winning. That. It's no wonder that you're cracked $20,000 on the Kickstarter. Go back to the top. I just want to see the final number here. Where, where are we at? Where are we at? 21,716 and that's not even counting people who are jumping on and should jump on if you're watching if you're listening should jump on links down below links in the in the, in the podcast notes uh also at ray comics on instagram at tj sterling art on instagram definitely 
definitely jump on this, guys. I'm excited. This game, this 8-bit game, I'm like, for all the retro gamers out there, I'm going to be streaming it. Everybody needs to be watching this stuff. I'm so excited. Is it, now I have a question, is it going to be like an RPG style or is it going to be more, more of like a fighter? It's it's going to be a side-scrolling, um, more like a, um, well, that's what we're, we're kind of building what it's going to look like now. Because, I mean, okay. we're trying to keep it simple for mobile and Android, but I will say that we're going to have like eight to ten levels, um, and it's going to be very much like an Omega Man X form. So I think that's it's dope. more um, RPG-ish than anything, but there's some fighter, you know, some one-on-one fighting elements in there, too, so... Very, very excited about this. Again, we're you know we're we're talking with two different companies right now to try to make this thing happen, and um, I'm I'm just excited, man. Like I said, it's it's first and foremost me just doing the stuff that we love, and I think you know I I had tons of sleepless nights and high levels of stress, you know, coming up to this campaign because I honestly didn't know what I was doing, and a lot I I feel like you do you kind of fly blind on a lot of things you you do tons of research tons of research and you have you have a general idea but like a lot of that stuff that you research kind of like becomes muscle memory you don't even realize you're doing it over time so uh, i will definitely say that it, it was a lot of um preparation and time sleepless nights and really just wanting to make a cool looking campaign for you guys because to me like i said i want it to be simple effective and just really kick ass so I'm grateful that a lot of people felt that that's what they got when they looked at it. So, you know, really cool art. Um, again, the comics are really awesome. The story's great. Again, we've got, you know, T-shirts that are specifically exclusive to the Kickstarter. We've got toys that are specifically exclusive to the Kickstarter. There's some really, really cool things that are only available through this campaign. And again, luckily, we are still accepting um, donations and we're also accepting if you want to place an order for one of the tiers, you can do that still because we haven't started fulfillment yet. Once we start fulfillment, all that closes down and then all whatever step we have left goes to the website. So there's still an opportunity to get it. But I mean, again, I recommend that everybody who wants to get on it now before we start sending orders out, um, jump on it. Like, let's say you spend 35 bucks. There's $10 shipping you know, throughout the entire, you know, U.S. of A. And you get four free art prints with that. So four six by ten art prints that you can go on your wall for free. Comes with, you know, the entire set of five books um, for only 45 bucks, And then you also get access to my master class, too. So it's like you get tons of added value. Guys, and the more guys, and more can we, can I just, can I more touch more on that for just a second? Get. I just want to interrupt yeah. you for just a second on that. $45 shipped. You get four prints. That's correct. I have looked at people for one print, and they're like 20 bucks. That's right. And I look yeah. at them, and I'm like, are you serious with me right now? I, 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 I've never agreed with with how that, that structure works. And, and let me tell you why. So I've been going to conventions since 2005. It's the very first con I ever went to a San Diego Comic-Con. I've got oh, some wow. family out of California. So. I mean, but that was the time when you could buy tickets to, to Comic-Con the same day. And there were, you know, 50 or 60 bucks. Like, oh, wow. now they're almost 400. Yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of held and, and, you know, there's a wait list. And there's a million different things you have to do, hoops you have to jump through just to get a ticket, let alone participate. So, yeah, yeah. times were different back in 2005. And, you know, walking to a table, you were going to spend $20, $30 on print and, you know, 5 bucks on a comic book. I mean, that was kind of like this whole 
you know, it's, it's fine art, you know, you can frame it or it gets signed and it goes on your wall. And, and I do still feel that, that there's a level of truth to that. But at the same time, to me, a comic book is 10 times more valuable than a print because it's 10, it's 10 times the amount of art. You're getting yeah. way more art. You're actually getting a story yeah. and you're getting something that you can collect, that you can follow up on. And that's why I personally think that comic, anything below $10 for a comic book, especially if it's a quality one, is, is just like you, you're not, you might be selling yourself a little bit short. I think you should charge at least $10, especially if it's a book like Okamist that's 36 pages. Like you're getting a lot of comic for a decent, for a good solid price. And, you know, it's all the books come signed. So, you know, and, and I'll give you kind of an interesting uh, scenario that happened after the first con I ever did, the first con I ever worked as a professional was 2015. So fast forward 10 years later, I sell the first prints of Okamist. I sell them out at San Diego Comic-Con. We brought 400 copies, sold out of all of them. And I nice. signed everything. Again, these are first prints and everything after that was second print. So the very first comic book I ever did, the very first printing I, I ever had, you know, someone bought it and put it on Amazon for $60. And this was a couple of years afterwards. So the value of it is there. Like I said, it, it, it's, you know, kind of an interesting thing. Cause I mean, I'm like, hey, shit, you could buy it from me for five for, for on my website for whatever the price is. But someone knows that this is the very first printing of this person's first comic book that they're charging $60 for it on, on Amazon, which is blows my mind. I still don't know who that person is, but you know, more power to them. Hopefully they make a sale. <laughs> Hopefully they bought two copies. They can keep reading one. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's that. See, that's, that's good. And that that's, that's, it, it's this kind of stuff that people don't think about when they're looking at, you know, when you're, when you're walking across a, a con floor, and, and especially Artist Alley, like, that's where I spend most of my time at conventions. Artist Alley is, like, it feels like the right place to be at a comic con, especially now that everything's kind of gone more, more like, media and, and, like, celebrities coming in and, you know, like, cool, you got a Ren Fair booth, but I don't really care about Ren Fair. I'm here for this. I'm here for comics. So, like, Artist Alley. Appreciate you, man. We need you. We need people like you. And like Artist Alley is that's where home is. That's like to me, I'll take the first half of the first day, kill the kill the show floor because I'm not stopping in a lot of places. You know, a, a fucking T-shirt booth takes up 45 spaces. Like I'm not stopping. You know, I'm not buying a bunch of T-shirts. Also, yeah, it, it, also like everybody that sells T-shirts except for one place. I bought a T-shirt one time at a convention because they had a 5x. But I, I always look at them. I'm like 2x. I'm like, do you do you see who's here? Like two X. This isn't the two X crowd. <laughs> this is not the two X. You yeah, you can have two X and one X and small. Like yeah, friends and, and girlfriends and, and children are coming, but like most of us are two plus X. Like <laughs> that's right. But it's just like I, I can't. I, you know, I can't even if I want to buy from them. And and at that point, I'm just like I'm I'm trying to find. I'm trying to have the conversations. Like you said, that genuine connection. You know, talking to a celebrity. Like I've I've stopped at a couple celebrity booths in the past because. The first one I ever talked to was uh, Kevin Sorbo. We we had just incorporated our company, and I was we were we were going through and I, we were kind of celebrating like we had incorporated that day, and uh, I, I we get to Kevin Sorbo and you know you know I grew up on Hercules and all that kind of stuff and he was kind of like he was you know he's polite about it and he was like congratulations on the incorporation like you know good luck in, in your business and I was like oh that's dope and I followed him on Facebook and it was one of those things I'm like this dude is like super crazy hardcore conservative 
and like does not make any bones about it. Like he is just on his like Facebook fan page, just talking all that. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't what you do. Like I gotta step back from this nonsense because that's I just sure. here I just want to he I just wanted to talk about Hercules and Andromeda. That's all I want to see about here. Maybe when you're gonna show up at a convention, not not all this nonsense. Like you keep that shit at home. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's just always interesting to to again meet individuals at cons and again uh, what where they're at and what they're what, you know because sometimes folks get into politics and all kinds of other stuff and I think um, just keep it about the entertainment, man. Keep yeah. it about you know entertaining the people who are there to 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 you know really get the, the stories, man. That's what it's about. It should be about that. That exactly that's what we're there for, you know. I want, to, I want to talk about the the comic book. I want to talk about there's a there's a group that that's out of Chicago. Uh, I think it's called Unshaven Comics. Uh, they're they they've had it. They've been they literally their whole thing is like ask me about my comic, and every every con I'd walk by, and the first year they pitched it to me, I was like, you know what, it sounds interesting. Do you have a trade? And they're like, no. I'm like, I collect trades, and every year we that just had that end part of that conversation. They'd be like, ask me about my comic. I'm like, do you have a trade yet? And I would keep going because they don't have it. And we already had that conversation. But it was kind of like a nice back and forth. And I was walking by. I was like, do you have a trade? He's like, yes. And I'm like, let's talk. Because, like, that's when I bought it. And I had him on the podcast. And we talked about it. And it was fun. It was Ironically, uh, it was also uh, a Sentai-ish, like, in, in – that's funny. I, I didn't even realize that, that's where that story was going to go. But, like, awesome. I like, ha- like having those connections and, like – just being able to be like, hey, what's up? Like, I remember you. Like, that's cool because, like, I follow your art, you know, and, or, or I've been reading your comics for a long time. And, like, having a conversation and even – and I, that's why I appreciate people that are, like, at the Marvel level being in, in, in the boots, in, in the artist alley, rather. Like, I, I appreciate that because it's, like, it, it shows that it's, it's just a matter – like, you know, a uh, 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 TJ Sterling and a uh, Jim Lee – next to each other like i appreciate that because that's like these are the same people these are the same like they're both creators they're both artists they're both people that deserve the same kind of attention like this is not you know jim lee's not on a pedestal next to your you know tiny booth that's not how it works the tables are all the same height <laughs> you know like right. Right. The tables are all the same height everybody's got to everybody's got everybody has to stack their books everybody has to display and bring in the audience like there are people I've seen people that like most people don't know, but I know their work from Marvel or DC or whatever. And I'm like, it's funny. There's no line. I'm like, I could just walk up to this dude. Like, uh, it should uh, be, man. That's how it was back in the day. Yeah. But then you have like, you have the the superstar show up and then there's a line around the the aisle and you can't get to the other people that are there. So it's it's weird. And I, I always think it's funny because it's like, if you're going to have a signing, go have a signing because, like, I'm trying to talk to the person next to you. Like, they don't have this following. And the people in the aisle are just, they're waiting for you. They don't care about that. So, like, I go, I try to make I try true, to man. every single table at a convention because it's, like, to me, that's, like I said, that's that's where home is at a convention. The Artist Alley, like. Yeah, fingers crossed, you know, cons will be back in 2021. So, then we can get back to our regularly scheduled program. I hope so, man. I for hope sure. So. Because that's that's a I, I'm I'm building I'm building ironically I'm building like a little like portable podcast rig, and I want to steal one of those empty spots because you know they'd be overcharging all the time and people don't show up or they don't sell a spot and I'm like I just want to bring like a little fold out table 
and just like bring in artists and stuff and just do a podcast right there. <laughs> just steal whatever it spots. takes, man. Whatever it takes. Like I said, you know, guerrilla marketing. Sometimes you just got to jump all over it. You yeah, know? yeah. That's what's up, man. Absolutely. I I'm so excited. I want to I want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and talking to me about this. I I like I like I said I read zero today and I'm I'm hyped. I can't wait to read more. I am excited about this universe. That game, I'm I'm gonna crush that game. You're gonna watch me. You watch me. Put it put in like a time. <laughs> I want to see it, man. I want to see it. Watch me For crush sure. that game. Put in a time. Like, put it put in like a like a a, a a high score, like a speed run thing. That's, that's actually good. I'm gonna give you that right now. That's that's probably the best thing you could do for it because fucking platformer people they love their speed runs. I have a I have a game out and it's a platformer and it's, it has no elements of speed runs. And people are like, "Why can't you jump faster?" I'm like, "It's it's not a speed run game. It's it's just a game to enjoy. Like it does not not all platforms sure. have to be speed runs, but uh, but they love it. They love it. They they they, they jump on the, the speed runs. But like you, like I said, you presented a fantastic Kickstarter. That's why you won. I mean, like the the, the product speaks for itself. The Kickstarter is fantastic. I cannot wait for everything to come out. Uh, the, the the other series, I'm like noir, like you said noir, and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> like, like I said, man, it's 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 you know, I appreciate you taking the time and chatting with me tonight, and I can you know, again, I'm very very excited to bring more and more to everyone um, through Ray Comics. Again, it's a business that I love; it's personal to me, and I make sure that every story that we deliver is something that everyone can relate to and get into. So it's good, wholesome, uh, powerful, entertaining. It's all that stuff rolled into one, but ultimately again, please check all the social links, jump on. Um, and you know, thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure just chatting with you and, you know, being on the, being on the show. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Definitely. Definitely. We'll have to do it when a trade comes out and we'll talk about the whole story. We'll have to. Oh yeah, you we'll, already know. We'll, we'll have to give it some time though, because I'm gonna want to get into nitty gritty. Uh, I, I like I get into the story. I told you that universe building, man. <laughs> I'm gonna get into that for story. sure. Again, absolutely. Thank you, for, thank you for coming. Thank you for for being on the show. All everybody watching, everybody listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you click the links down below if you're watching the video. Uh, make sure you check out at Ray Comics at T J Sterling Art or just look up Okamus O K E M U S at uh, kickstarter the, the the page is still up of course and make sure you give them contact get 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 the stuff get the stuff while you can this is going up on sunday do you, have, do you have an idea of when there might be a close date on this as far as like when people might be able to still jump on um again because we have not started fulfillment yet uh fulfillment usually happens about two to three weeks after a campaign is done okay. so People have a good two or three weeks now to jump on to, you know, be a part of the Kickstarter rewards because essentially, uh, you know, we want to get as many orders as we can. Then we want to start shipping out, you know, in a massive, you know, in, in, in bulk. So, um, again, I encourage everybody who's listening to jump on it while you can and uh, or you will wait until it has it has to go onto the website because it'll eventually be there. But a lot of the exclusive Kickstarter perks will will not be there. So, again, right. You want to get on it? There's still an opportunity to do so. Just you know, hit me up directly, and I'll take good care of you. Awesome, fantastic! Thank you again for being on, man. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.